0: Hey there, and welcome to this episode of the On the Horizon RC Podcast. I'm your host and Horizon CEO, Chris Dickerson. and With me as always, our marketing director, Steve Petrado. Steve, again, very good to see you. I love this video recording.
1: Hey, Chris, good to see you too. Uh, crazy, busy time of year, that's for sure. I'm so glad we we're able to get another podcast in because I know both of us have been running around like crazy here.
0: Yeah. Well, as we like to call it, it is peak season, right? I mean, we are in the throes of the holiday. I mean, once we get into November, mid-November, it is full on holiday mode. I mean, our distribution center is hopping, customer service and sales are hopping. I mean, yeah, everybody is busy. So um, it is really an exciting time of year, though, around here. To me, this is the energy that kind of the whole year builds up to. But um, hopefully, Steve, you had a good Thanksgiving in there. I'm not sure we've uh, had a chance to really catch up a lot. Hopefully, you had a good one.
1: Yeah, no, good good Thanksgiving. I was in charge of uh, of taking care of the turkey for my girlfriend's family this year, and oh, so wow. it was kind of a, a test of uh, strength, I guess. <laughs> I
0: guess. I, I didn't do anything other than drive, so I got yeah. off pretty easily, so uh, so, so well, yeah, Steve. a nice, uh, nice Thanksgiving, but yeah, it's definitely peak season, Steve. I mean, it, it's yeah. hard to think, but I think this probably is our last podcast for the year. So I have a question I want to ask you here as we're kind of kicking things off. Sure. When you think back about 2021, what is the release that you, you think about that you think that's the one that you were most excited about, something that came out this past year?
1: I think you're going to know what I'm going to say, but I think I yeah. <laughs> it's one that we were waiting for for a long time and it finally came through and that was the Draco. And, uh, and you know, just for me, that was an airplane that was so impactful to the aviation industry and for the hobby to have a really just amazing scale rendition of that. And as good, as good as a a performing product it is it's just, it was really cool to see. So that one was one that I was personally excited about for the longest time. And I remember knowing that it was in the product plan and going, Oh, I can't talk about it for the longest time. But yeah, for me, that was it. What about for you?
0: Well, I have to say, and again, I, I, I don't like to call myself even a pilot when I'm talking to you, but um, <laughs> the Draco was pretty exciting too. Because even as somebody who doesn't fly as much as you do, it's just easy to see how cool that thing is. So yeah. I would say the Draco uh, w- was one of those. And then, of course, for me, I would say the other one would be the SCX-6. Um, yeah. Kind of a similar thing. I mean, literally the biggest thing Axial's ever done. And, um, you know, when you see it in person and when you pick it up and and then seeing some of the great videos that people are doing for it. I mean, some of the videos on YouTube for this product, it looks like a real Jeep on the trail. It's got enough mass to it that it's got some squish to the tires. I mean, (laughs) it looks like the real deal. So, you know, I I have to say I'm excited about it. Um, So, yeah. And again, I probably am forgetting, you know, uh, 50 other things and I'll probably have a line of product developers, you know, emails from them tomorrow after they list, whoever listens to this podcast is going to, you know, send me notes telling me why didn't I mention their product. But uh, (laughs) I'm sticking with the SCX six and the Draco honorable mention for my.
1: Well, if I had to pick a surface one, I think for me, the the other ones would have been probably the, the, the arma limitless or the felony within, you know, I know that's, kind of earlier this year, but yeah, that to me, that was a, was a big step in the, in a really cool direction for Arma. But uh, yeah, no, it's like you said, there's so much, there's so much that we do here every year. And this year has just been incredible. Um, And, and hopefully I, well, not hopefully, I know our supply chain team, as you know, is working their butts off to get product here and they have done so. So our customers can have a really good holiday season too with products. So talk a little bit about that and then uh, we'll transition into products.
0: Yeah, I I will say you're absolutely right, Steve. And everyone has heard how hard the supply chain has been. And I was actually out on the West Coast this past weekend and drove over the bridge at the Port of Long Beach. I tried to do will call. I tried to go find a gate and just see how much I could get my rental car to bring back. And um, I couldn't even find the entrance gate, so I didn't get anything. There's still (laughs) a bunch of stuff at the Port of Long Beach, let me tell you. But our supply team chain has done an awesome job, I think, given how hard it's been. And so we are stocked. If you were thinking you wanted to get an RC product for Christmas or for Hanukkah, or if you have a birthday, I have a cousin who his birthday is on Christmas day. Um, If you're like him, if you just have some money and want to buy an RC car, we encourage it. Um, There is product out there. All of our top selling products are in stock right now. We have parts to support our products. The supply chain teams do a great job. So if you uh, are looking, We really encourage you go visit your local hobby shop, see all the cool stuff they have in store. We know they're well stocked to our partner stores. They would love to help you find a good gift for yourself or that loved one on your list. Um, If you'd prefer to order online, HorizonHobby.com and Tower Hobbies has uh, everything you need. Um, If you're going to order online, do it quick because we are rapidly approaching the cutoff date for guaranteed shipping. Because that is the other side of supply chain and logistics right now. Steve is, um, you know, you don't want to have it stuck at a post office somewhere or at a UPS or FedEx distribution center, you know, until December thirtieth. So, you know, we are kind of backing off our window of when um, how how late we can we can guarantee you'll get it before Christmas, just because there's a lot out of our control this year. So. I'd encourage you to get out there this weekend and get your holiday shopping done. If you don't get it done, um, our retailers are going to be there to take care of you and it's always cool to go check out your local hobby shop. It's just neat to see everything that's there. You're not going to want to walk out without something, Steve.
1: Definitely. Well, hobby shops make the industry go around. They're there for you when you need them and they're great for asking questions. You just can't get answers to online. So go to the Horizon Hobby website, click on the find a dealer. And find a dealer near you to type in your zip code. You can check that out. Uh, and like Chris said, yeah, cutoff is rapidly approaching. Next week, things start cramping down. So uh, you know, you've got you've got ground cutoff, then you've got two day and the next day air cutoffs that are you know right after that. But of course, you've got some time. So get out there and. and uh, I, I finished my Christmas shopping, Chris. I'm shocked that I've done it. I'm not sure how the heck I did that, but I did it. So I, that stress is off my shoulders now. I've got you know bigger things to worry about, but not everyone is like that.
0: No, and I, I would fall in the everyone bucket, then Steve, <laughs> because not everyone is like that. You're right. So um, I'm, I'm making progress, but uh, still have a few things to go. So I may be rushing out to my local hobby shop store uh, as well to, to take care of things. So.
1: Awesome. Anyway. Well, It wouldn't be a Horizon podcast without talking about product, Chris. And last couple weeks, we've had some really killer announcements. Um, I guess we've had one that really was exciting to me. And I guess I'll actually two uh, that that were really exciting. So the air and accessories category, I'll jump right in. So we had the uh, the E-Flight F-14. This one is just just an iconic aircraft. If you've ever seen Top Gun, you know what the F-14 is. If you've ever wanted to be a, a pilot, if you've ever done any kind of flying, you probably know who Maverick is. Uh, but the F fourteen uh, from from the guys over on, on the E flight team have done an amazing job of this kind of replica of this iconic fighter. Um, it's a uh, it's an EDF jet that's going to run on two twin twin forty millimeter fans. Uh, It does have the full sweep wing, Chris, which is super cool. Uh, The fact that it does operate in the air, you can go to full out, mid sweep and full sweep for that really fast flying. Uh, And it does act like an entirely different plane each time, but it's comfortable in the transition, which was a feat of technology to make that happen in such a small size. So uh, kudos to the eFlight and air team. Um, $300, to $299 map. Uh, really awesome, great looking scheme. A little hard to see in the sky, I'll give you that, but it is an F 14. It was meant to be, you know, a fighter. So uh, a little bit more for the advanced pilot, but an awesome aircraft all around. And then the reason why that was announced so early uh, was we announced Real Flight 9.5S, which is a fully digital Steam edition. So you'll need Steam to download it and, uh, that is great for PC guys uh, that you can just have Steam app. You know, there. You don't have to have a CD anymore. You just download, put the code in, and download it. Uh, but the F14 is in that now. And by the time you're hearing this podcast, you'll be able to download Real Flight 9.5S. Even if you've bought Real Flight 9 or 9.5, uh, you can check out the information on the product pages on how to uh, upgrade to that. And you can fly the F14 now. The reason we did that is the F-14 won't be available in the market until about May of next year. So you'll be able to fly this F-14, get fully comfortable with it, get your pre-order in and then be ready for it when it comes out next summer. So pretty exciting stuff right there.
0: Yeah, very cool that people are going to be able to uh, to work on their Maverick skills, as you said. Um <laughs> Before they can fly the real thing, so by the time it comes out, people ought to be pretty dialed in with how to how to make that product perform. Because, as we know, um, man, the flight characteristics in real flight are so good. So, yeah. uh, very cool that that's going to be available in that release. And um, yeah, like you said, it's one of the most iconic airplanes. I mean, it's everybody everybody wants to be Maverick, right? Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so and hopefully at some point the the new top gun movie will come out and uh people can go reenact scenes from it so
1: yep we'll from let. from what we can see it's supposed to be right around the time it releases next year so hopefully they don't delay it again but they have a i think at end of may and we're right in may as well so it should be perfectly timed not that we planned that that way i promise <laughs> but it worked out that way
0: <laughs> that's right yeah yeah that's right but as you said too i mean what a what a a technical challenge that the team overcame on that product to make it perform as cool as it does. I actually got to see one too in person. Uh, I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago, and Dustin let, lent me one, and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to give it back. I was going to keep it, but uh, he, he's pretty uh, compelling, so I gave it back. <laughs> uh, I have a release I was going to mention too, Steve. You know, we the the low C minis. We re-released those you know, over the last couple of years. They've been super popular with people. Uh, a lot of them came as RTRs, but of course, with it being a low C product, people want to race them. And so for that racer audience, we came out with the mini B roller. So the cool thing with it is these are made you know, by them. It's not a kit. So you don't have to spend as much time as a kit would take to build it. But you, you get it pre-built, but not on top of just being pre-built um, five. The top five option parts are already pre-installed, so you're nice. getting that upgrade in some of the uh, option parts so it'll perform better. You know, it's based on the 22 buggy mid motor configuration. You know, it's all you have to do is add the electronics of your choice. So again, for the racers out there, you know, that are maybe, you know, a little choosy on what they, what system they want to run, as most racers are, um, they can decide what they want. Everything down to the steering servo, the ESC, all the electronics, radio, battery, will work with anything, whatever you want to add. And uh, you can even paint the body, it comes with a clear body, so you can do your trim scheme, Uh, you're not getting the RTR set up. And then, you know, especially as we're now in cold weather season and in a lot of the country, indoor racing is definitely upon us. So this is a great way to just have another class of racing when you're at your local track on the weekend. So, um, or just banging around with, I mean, even though it's a racer, uh, you know, maybe you've just got, you just want to, tinker with something this week this this winter you know and build something it's it's a lot of fun cool add-on for the from the low c guys
1: yeah now great platforms and the and the mini stuff has always been an exciting just in design in general with like you said for indoor racing or, or just having fun inside so really cool to see that progress as we keep going here and then last but certainly not least chris we announced our all new holiday ornaments so we have started a new hopeful trend in the future here we we will be doing ornaments but uh, we launched a draco and a arma felony uh, designed off the exact cad of the product just shrunk down to fit on your christmas tree uh they are hand painted they're hard plastic molds uh they're really cool and the nicest thing is that all of the proceeds Uh, are going to be going to a charity. All the net proceeds are going to a a charity. So we're going to be giving uh, money to uh, the uh, American Red Cross for the urgent needs. Uh, We're going to be, giving some money to our hobbies for good charitable organization as well to do good there in the future. So really exciting to see that those are available. They'll be shipping by the time you hear this podcast, uh, they should be shipping and uh, ready in time for, for the holiday. So don't forget to get those and get those. They're really cool. Collectible ornaments. They come in uh, the box. I wish I had one here. I guess I should have grabbed one. I'll put a picture up on screen. Uh, they come in an exact, pretty much exact rendition of the product art box that you would get uh, if you bought the full size one. But really cool, uh, the, and the, the team did a great job putting that, that together. The detail is just incredible on both of them. Uh, so really, really cool to see a, a, a Horizon Hobby ornament finally.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is something we did way back in the day. One of our retail partners kind of suggested we should do this again. And like you said, our hope here is to do these um, as an as a ongoing, you know, each year do a couple as a collectible. And, you know, maybe a few years from now, somebody can do a whole tree in their RC ornaments they will be different each year. So, yeah, very exciting. And as you mentioned, I think the most important thing is that all the net proceeds from this is going to go to charity as part of our hobbies for good. And it is especially this time of year, nice to be able to do something like that. So very cool. Um, Well, you know, Steve, I think this week our guest is such an interesting fella. I mean, somebody that I didn't personally know he was a guest you brought on and I just really enjoyed our chat with him. you know, uh, he's accomplished so much in drone racing at a very young age. What an inspirational young man. Um, Evan Turner, I think we should go ahead and just get to the podcast here because this was a great conversation uh, to, to have and to hear his story. So uh, if you're listening to this, stay tuned. You're going to enjoy the next 45 minutes or so in our conversation with Evan Turner, uh, drone racing champion.
1: Awesome. Let's get right to it.
0: Okay, today's guest is someone who has taken the drone racing world by storm, all before reaching the age of 20. Not only is he the youngest drone racing league champion, but he's also a three time multi GP champion and the founder of 533. He's also a very talented iMac and 3D airplane pilot. Hailing from Maryville, Tennessee, Evan Turner, welcome to the show, Evan.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I've been a longtime fan and customer of Horizon Hobby, so it's uh, super cool to be uh, reached out and uh, do some work with you guys.
0: Great. Well, Evan, it's nice to meet you. I know we've never officially met, but um, that's a part of the fun here today. Your resume is very impressive, especially <laughs> seeing that you did so much at uh, what I certainly consider to be a very young age. So, uh we will get into this resume here even in more detail but you know maybe we'll just start at the very beginning and if you would just tell us how you got started in rc
2: yeah so um my i've had a very long-standing history with rc and anything that flies really um from the age of six years old i've uh, i got my first remote control airplane my dad and i my dad had uh, no experience flying rc but he uh decided would be something fun that we could do together um and I believe my first plane was uh, from the company called Sky Zone, and um, I know you guys have some sort of affiliation there, but um, that, that was our very first airplane. It was like a three-channel plane, and you know, I, I mean, I was six, so I, I was pumped about it, and um, went out and flew it, went out and crashed the plane, and you know, I thought it was cool. But then um, my dad, like, I, we kind of found a local club who ended up being full of really great guys, and they kind of inspired us to do more. And after that, uh, it was kind of, uh, a, a blur until I was about 11. So, um, like I remember when I was younger, my dad got a real flight for me and like Phoenix, uh, both like all the simulators to fly RC and I flew them. I would get home from school and I would fly them a ton. Like I would fly all the time and I got better than my dad and that really frustrated my dad. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and then, uh, about the age of 11 is when I started competing, uh, flying, um, IMAX, so that's like precision uh, airplane or uh, RC airplane flying, um, flying giant scale airplanes. And I did that from about the age of 11 to 15 or 16. Uh, I, I won uh, two, I think, national championships and then one world championship in that. Um, and about, uh, I'd say, five or six years ago, so when I was about 13, is when I started like started getting into drones. And uh, the rest is history uh, as far as that goes. But, yeah, I really did start... Um, as a kid. And this has been my, my, my passion, my, my diehard passion ever since that I I can remember. And it's like, you know, I played soccer and I played other things and I had all these other, uh, like interests, but at the end of the day, RC was always for there for me. All the people within RC were always there for me. And, uh, it truly is, uh, not only my passion, but my, my job at the moment.
1: Wow. Very cool. Well, You kind of mentioned the IMAX side and I'll dive into that just, just briefly. I know there's a lot more exciting stuff that you've done since the IMAX days, but you said Uh you won a couple of, uh, of competitions there and talk a little bit about the IMAX side and what kind of effort you had to put into that to get to that level. And at what age did you win those, those contests?
2: Um, so I won my first national championship ever uh, of any kind when uh, I in the sportsman uh, class of IMAC. Um, so, yeah. um, and that was when I was so that was eleven, which I believe is like twenty fourteen. Um, okay. and the, the really what went into that. And I, I know that you guys might know, but maybe some of the viewers don't, and especially people who know me from the drone side, don't know about, but is when I uh, was involved with Clover Creek aerodrome and mm-hmm. Clover Creek was this, uh, this essentially camp where we worked on a farm in exchange for, uh, getting like kind of coached and taught and learn all these lessons, flying remote control airplanes and training for the IMAC nationals. And that was, uh, a huge part of that. And I was a member of that, uh, pretty much they took some of the best kids in the nation, uh, they brought him in over the summer and they stayed in Clover Creek, which is in the West Tennessee. Uh, and we stayed there and then went to the nationals together and we trained all summer long. We worked the farm and we became best friends. We really did. And I was a part of that uh, from the age of 11 to about 15. And, you know, near the end, uh, John Schroeder, who was the owner and founder of that kind of, he passed away, unfortunately, and um, everybody, and things kind of split their their own ways. Um, but it, it really was a huge part of my life and for all the skills and things that I've learned, uh, that I applied all the things I do today. I, I attribute a lot of that to um, not only iMac and stuff, but all the lessons I learned at Clover Creek with, with John and everybody.
0: Yeah. So, uh, speaking of, of Clover Creek, I mean, did you have a lot of mentors then growing up in RC, uh, either there or elsewhere? Or uh, did you just fly a lot of simulators? You know, we find that a lot of people. Either have a family member, it sounds like your dad really didn't know how to fly or know a lot about it, maybe got you started. But, you know, to get to your level, it seems like somebody had to have some outside influence on you, maybe um, to to kind of sponsor your RC journey. Uh, who, Who really influenced you?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, the the people who made it possible were, of course, my parents. They were so incredibly supportive of all the things that I I got into and taking me to events. And I mean, I couldn't drive till I was 16. So they were taking me to events and helping me out with buying planes and whatever else that I needed to have the most fun. And it really worked out great that my dad and I could do this together and that he competed as well. Uh, But I mean... It really it really was largely uh in fact to to not only John and all the things he did for me and mentored me so hard and not and it, the thing that it's so hard for me to explain is it wasn't just teach me how to fly RC airplanes. Like we really learned so many life lessons there and it kind of inspired me to go do more than just just fly RC airplanes. You know, I wanted to not just fly, I wanted to be the best at it, or I wanted to be competitive um in anything that I do. And uh the way he kind of what he kind of did is kind of taught us how to go to that next level, taught us what it takes to go to the next level and um, aside from him, you know, just like some of the relationships I made within RC, uh, like some of my best friends that I've had for years. Um, I mean, Cal Reef-Snyder, he's one of the best airplane pilots in the world for sure. Now getting into the drones, but I've known him since I was like eight and me and him are still best friends to this day, uh, 10 years later. And uh, we talk, I mean, I talked to him every day and it's just that he lives in Florida. I live in Tennessee, hundreds of miles away. And it's just like relationships like that, that had kind of uh, things that you can't, I, you can't really find anywhere else when you have such a common interest and so passionate about something that, that those are really friends and relationships that, you, that are, uh, forever long lasting. So those, those, all those things have kept me in RC, but, um, uh, aside from that, like I'm very competitive. I, I don't like to lose. And, uh, the second the competition came into it and there's that little, uh, you get the butterflies in your stomach that always has brought me back to, to compete again.
1: Nice. Well, I guess transitioning from that, you've been on a big stage lately, as you've kind of alluded to there. Um, you know, I, I'd like to. I know a lot of our fans may that are watching may not know you, may not know the DRL, um, but so many of them will. So, can you talk a little bit about you know how did you get into working with the DRL and you know competing on the DRL, and then just talk about the journey? What's it been like as a someone was who was a standard hobbyist, and then you've kind of gone mainstream? And let's talk a little bit about how that happened.
2: Yeah, so um, I guess we'll, we'll skip to the end. So right now I'm on what's called the DRL, um, and that is called it's the Drone Racing League, and it's comprised of the, the 12 best drone racing pilots in the world. Um, so you are brought onto the show. You're a fully professional, salaried pilot. You compete on NBC Sports uh, every Wednesday in real-life racing and racing virtually on the simulator. And you're racing for prize money and competitions, and there's sponsors such as T-Mobile, Allianz, like big mainstream sponsors, and we're racing all over the world. Against each other, trying to bring or further bring drone racing and things of the of that nature to the mainstream and make it a real sport, uh, more than it, more so than it already is. So I'm a part of that, and um, I am. Uh, I, in the the past year, I won the 2020 uh, DRL Allianz World Championship, um, and then this year we're kind of in the midst of the season this year. And yeah, it's truly been. Uh, well, I think it's amazing to me from when I started FPV, like nobody, or when I started RC, like nobody was really like a professional right. RC Airplane pilot or nobody of or really anything like that. But now like you see these professional FPV drone pilots and you see these professional FPV drone racers and they're filming for movies and they're on TV watching them race. And that's like, for me to be a part of that and so early on is really, um, it's like a dream come true. And especially at my age, like it really worked out to where like, Right when I was kind of graduating high school, all of these opportunities came and all of these things kind of culminated together to where this ended up being more than just that hobby. It was more than just me going out and flying with my friends. And now I can do that. And it's not like I'm doing anything different. It's not like I'm doing anything boring with what I'm doing. I'm literally I'm racing. I'm doing exactly what I enjoy doing. But now I just get to do it with cameras in my face and have to learn how to interview and um get to be on TV and stuff. So uh, as far as the end goal or as far as like the like that. I couldn't ask for anything else. Uh, there's just no way, but I guess going back to the beginning is I started in FPV about five or six years ago. And, um, I started as just a kid and I started racing and then I had my first real taste of, um, I guess like competition at about 20, uh, I would say about two years into it. So I was about 15 and, um, You know, I talked about those lessons and stuff I learned from Clover Creek and how I found that competitive spirit in myself and how I found to go from just a a good pilot to or good at anything to become great at it, what it took. And I really applied those skills and things I learned to dedicate so much of my time and energy and towards becoming more than just your average Joe pilot. And um, I took that and I, uh, so 2017 nationals, drone nationals was my first big competition where I placed 10th um, and then after that, uh, that's where uh, Alex Vanover, Captain Vanover, won that race. And ever since then, like, you know, him and I are kind of rivals now, four years later or whatever. Um, but um, 2018, I won my first Multi-GP Nationals. 2019, I won again. And 2019 is when I got offered my DRL contract at 16. Um, and um, has now changed where you cannot be a DRL pilot under the age of 18 due to uh, gambling and stuff being involved. Um, but so I'm the, the, our, at the time those didn't apply. So I was uh, 16 when I got offered that DRL contract and then in 2020, I placed second, um, and in the multi GP and then I won DRL and somewhere in the middle of all that, I started 533 and here we are now. Uh, but <laughs> long, like, uh, I were, I, uh, put a lot of time into this, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's, it's my passion and I would do it for free and I love doing every second of it. It's awesome.
0: Very That's, cool. Well, you, you talked a little bit about, you know, DRL and, and, and being on, on ESPN and NBC Sports. What's been the, the best thing about working with, with ESPN, DRL, and maybe what's the coolest place you've you've gotten to fly?
2: Yeah, no, Uh I mean, it's it's so cool to see, like, not only, like, see you and your friends on TV and stuff, but also to be a part of a large production like that is, is truly eye-opening to see what goes into something like that. Like, when you watch a football game, you're like, wow, well, you know, like, that's really cool, but you, you wouldn't believe what goes into producing something like that. So to be a part of that, that's been really cool, and uh, I've gotten the opportunity to meet uh several, like, higher-ups and executives at, of these big companies like uh, T-Mobile and, and Allianz and so forth that have been there attending these events. And uh, also, I mean, just like the uh, opportunities that the people you get to be in front of. So like you have these events with VIP events where they're wa- coming to watch you and you get to entertain them. And it's like really cool to be kind of intertwined with um that with those people and i mean not to say that we're anything close to any of these celebrities but uh to be uh working with them or working alongside them is really really cool and you know i mean as someone who i mean i'm 18 i didn't envision of doing this ever until a couple years ago and now to have that all kind of come about uh is so kind of it still blows my mind every time and i'm like starstruck anytime i'm allowed to get up and go on set at a drl
1: yeah I got to imagine you get to meet some really cool people and, and like you said, get to see some exciting places, but is this something that you see, you know, obviously as long as DRL will let you probably continue racing or is it like kind of a short term thing and and you're ready to move on? I mean, what, what's kind of your end goal with the whole DRL (laughs) scenario?
2: No. Um, so, I mean, I would love to be a pilot on the DRL for a, as long as I possibly can be. And, you know, it's kind of a long for the ride because not only are you just like, are you a professional athlete or, or whatever you want to call it, professional at this, um, sure. you're also along for the growth of drone racing, whatever it turns out to be. So I, as far as someone who's very passionate about drone racing, I think it's, it's a, would be amazing to be a part of that, that come up. And, you know, like the rules are changing and the formats are changing. And like we, the pilots truly have input into that. So we're having input being put into what drone racing could turn out to be and what the rules can be out to be and who we're put out in front of. And we can affect where drone racing ends up and where it goes. So for me to be a part of that come up in that, um, I guess, um, like drone racing turning into something and me to be a part of that, is something that I want to be a part of for sure. And that is, uh, I guess a lot, a lot of that, um, comes from me being with five, three, three and, um, all the things that we've done there. But at the end of the day, like if we could be a part of turning drone racing into something more than just people flying out in their backyards and have it be a viable option for them to turn it into something, not only educationally, but turn it into something a career wise, I think that'd be awesome. So, um, I want to be on DRL as long as I possibly can be. It's I get to travel and I get to see the world at a young age and, uh, smile for the camera. And, you know, I'll definitely be that old grandpa someday of showing my kids "Oh, here's me on TV or like, here's like this trophy or whatever. And it's like, has dust on it that we have to wipe off. But, you know, and that, and that would be cool too. But, um, um, I want, I'll make the most of every opportunity that I get. And, um, yeah, that's kind of, kind of where I'm at is if I've got the opportunity, might as well make the most of it and see where it goes.
0: Very very cool. I mean, and you're competing at such a high level here. I mean, what's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome to, I mean, everybody races good. I remember we talked to Michael McDowell who races in NASCAR um, a a while back, Steve and I did on the podcast. And he said, you know, look, when you're at my level, everyone's really good. You know, (laughs) it's the top 32 racers in the world, you know, same, same for you, except it's top 12. What's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome to, to kind of edge everybody else out? What's your secret?
2: <laughs> well yeah there's definitely no secret. Uh, I wish there was otherwise I'd probably be a lot better at it but there's not unfortunately. but yeah there is uh, when every, when it things competition changes when it turns from people's hobby to their job um, and yeah. that means that people are willing to put way more into it. there's also a lot more on the line for them they're, they're competing for their, their livelihood. Um, so people really are putting a lot into it. So uh, that means that I have to do the same. I have to be willing to to put in the time, but also be willing to to study these, like the lines. We're trying to study how a drone works and how we can most efficiently get through the course at this point because we're flying at the drone's maximum potential. So now we have to study how we can use physics to our advantage and how we can use the angle of the drone to our advantage. And the, the most challenge, to answer your question, I mean, the most challenging part is not only doing that, but doing that under pressure, um, You know, it's such a difficult thing to do and manage. And I mean, you can imagine getting nervous for a job interview or getting nervous to go talk to a girl. Something. You know, it's like you know everything that you could totally do when there's no pressure, but then you add that pressure, and it's like you start choking up or you start fumbling into words and stuff. And that's just that's my best kind of interpretation of how I can describe it to someone. That like what we do is we're competing at a high level, and then you take what we do. And you add that immense pressure, you're live on television, you have the cameras in your face, you have the lights on you, you have the crowd screaming, and that just adds a whole new level of what we're expected to do under that pressure. So that is by far the most difficult thing is the mental aspect and competing under that pressure.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, it sounds like I better keep my day job, Steve. I, think, uh, I was hoping there was some secret he was going to tell me and I was going to be able to join him on DRL, but I think I'll keep the day job. Yeah,
1: well, no, okay. I- Oh, go ahead, Chris.
0: No, go. go ahead.
1: I was, I was going to say, I, I I completely understand where you're coming from, there, Evan. Although I've not been on that stage, I think when I did the the drone worlds down in Hawaii with wing racing, James Haley and myself, we took first and second place out there. And even though it was a kind of a smaller group of people, it was still it felt like a big deal, mm-hmm. and uh, the the pressure was immense. And we spent weeks preparing. I'm sure you spend days, hours, and hours and hours <laughs> practicing the tracks and you, you know, before the show you were talking how they release the tracks a little bit early so you can get some time on them but you know if you don't put in time i'm sure right now you could be spending practicing and you're with us yeah. <laughs> for the next yeah. race so we appreciate that and, and i see. apologize if that hurts you i don't know if you can
2: see oh i guess they, the, the viewers can't see yeah, my thumbs are completely torn <laughs> up right now from the sticks uh from practicing so much they're like literally cut up uh, at the moment <laughs> nice. um, well the, but, the yeah.
1: youtube viewers will be able to see that but yeah no, it's uh <laughs> it's it's intense and, and you just don't you don't take you don't think rc can be intense and then you so see you add some level of competition whether it be drone racing or or any other contest imac or you name it it it, it adds up the pressure is real so sure. i guess to transition a little bit you've you've done some you obviously have done the racing stuff you've had some really cool projects i think you've kind of been pulled into through potentially through dRL or maybe just people people knowing who you are you've got to do some really cool filming uh recently i've seen some of your instagram um, with, I think that we were you at the EDC concert in Vegas doing some filming. So you got to, Chris, I saw him filming, you know, a little Nas X and Diplo and, you know, that I was like, wow, that's, you know, this is big time. This is really <laughs> cool stuff that the average person doesn't get through. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I've got a couple questions here. One, how the heck did you get into that? Two, you know, how did you handle all the FAA stuff that went around that? I don't want to go deep into the FAA side, but I have to imagine you had to kind of deal with a little bit of that, uh, as a pilot as well.
2: For sure. Um, so the way I got roped into that, um, you know, there's the filming industry that's largely growing very quickly right now with FPV drones. Um, Mm -hmm. not only like when you fly FPV drones, your, your skills are valuable in the fact that you could be good at racing, but you can take those skills and now is becoming a very valuable skill in the, the cinematic and then filming industry. So they want good FPV drone pilots to be able to provide not only these amazing shots, but to work for them with live streams of these concerts and movies and videos and stuff. Um, so that skill is becoming even more so, um, valuable um that being said uh with that specific one i've kind of slowly built out like a reel of uh filming other cool things just on my own or doing small gigs here and there and though i mean it's it, the biggest thing i've learned in vegas it's really who you know and um i've been fortunate enough to through DRL kind of build up a name for myself where i had that like name recognizability i guess um so sure. people um when they want they need a filming job done they kind of were able to hit me up and they knew who i was And that way just through like Instagram and DRL and these people hit me up and they were like, hey, we're wanting this is a a EDC, which is a large music festival, um, very large music festival in Las Vegas. And we want you to be a part of the live stream team. And we need an HD live stream from an FPV drone perspective to film uh, for these four nights. And um, I was like, "Okay, let's do it. And we negotiated out the terms and everything. And then boom, we flew out there and I was working under a company called Digital Sky. Digital Sky kind of has mm. the um, uh, the Vegas market drone market by storm because they have such a good relationship with the FAA, so they have clearance to fly at this Las Vegas Las Vegas Speedway, which is right by an Air Force Base, um, and there were helicopters <laughs> flying or around around the the Speedway and everything. So we worked with Digital Sky, or Digital Sky had all those relationships already made, and we had all the of course, I had to have my FA Part 107 and I had to have all the proper licenses and night waiver and whatnot. And we had all that already lined up. And the biggest thing with any sort of gig like that, especially when FA is related, is you want to come prepared. You want to have everything already uh, figured out ahead of time. And that's something that we definitely did. And we got there and there were pretty much no problems. We had to t- meet with our contacts from the FA, show them what we were doing. They had to monitor us and it ended up being totally cool. Everything worked out perfectly. I was not the only drone person there. There were several drone teams not FPV drones, but bigger drones flying around, getting their respective shots for EDC. And yeah, it was it was a, an amazing uh, experience for several reasons because uh, it was one I'll never forget. I'll say that. So um, <laughs> I, um, for the reason being is I got my wisdom teeth out two days prior to leaving for Vegas. Oh, um, and I might be able to send you a picture or something, but like my, I mean, I don't know if, if you've ever gotten your wisdom teeth out, it's not fun. And I'll tell you that right now, um, the biggest thing, the biggest things that suck about it is it's very difficult to eat. You can't drink from a straw. You can't drink something carbonated. And then now I want to put you in the perspective, uh, and your mouth hurts like crazy. So, uh, so now I, in um, the peak pain day, is about day three and a half is what they told me. So I was in the Ugh. middle of my first day of shooting. Um, so, and we filmed from about. 7 p.m. to like 4 a.m. every night um, and this pain medicine they gave us uh, or that I had to take made you drowsy so I had to decide if I wanted to hurt or if I wanted to be awake um, and then uh, if you want to eat food I mean you can't go to a, a music co- or a music festival and they're not going to give you like pudding and jello um, they have uh, like french fries and burgers so you know, I was starving uh, the only the energy drink uh, available was Red Bull because it was sponsored by Red Bull but unfortunately Red Bull's carbonated so I can't drink that and it was just a lot of really bad decisions on my part. Well, just going with the wisdom teeth surgery. Um, however, I fought through the pain. By the end, it was great. Um, but uh, that definitely made it more difficult to, uh, to get the proper shot when you're not only thinking about the shot and trying to listen to the director, but also thinking about, man, my mouth hurts so bad and I'm starving. Um, but it ended up being uh, quite the uh, experience. But yes, it, it, was, it was a blast and such a cool opportunity. And I, I, I want to do more of it for sure.
1: Yeah, but oh, that's very cool. It's it's good to see you on such a big stage, and it was really fun watching some of those. I might be able to clip some of those into this so people can see it on YouTube. But yes. um, yeah, really cool. Well, on top of that, I recently saw you in kind of a T-Mobile advertisement too. I think you were like a a, a prize. Someone sent me the the screenshot yeah. of it. You were yeah. you know win a day with a drone pilot. Let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So that was a deal with T-Mobile. t Mobile's a premier sponsor for DRL. And, uh, basically they, there was a sweepstakes where you could sign up and you could win a day, uh, or a, basically a drone training lesson with, with me. Um, and, um, So there were three individual winners and, um, unfortunately due to COVID, we couldn't like fly them out or anything to do any real day. But basically we got on the simulator, we did a video call, they got to learn all about what I do and I got to give them tips on how to improve with drone racing or a lot of them just wanted to know like how they can get into it and like the, the best ways of doing so. And it was so cool to meet like truly your average Joe people who knew nothing about drones or anything RC and like I mean there was a girl in nursing school there was like just some like random like 40 year old father of two I mean like truly just like it was just random people and they got to get like a little taste of what it's like in an FPV in the RC world and it was really cool to to be a part of that and work of course working with T-Mobile was cool and everything and a great opportunity but I I I'm such a big advocator for getting more people into, into drones and, and RC and everything that it was, that was what I really enjoyed was having an opportunity to be put on a stage to, to do, to do that.
1: Very cool. Yeah. That was awesome to see you there on that T-Mobile ad. That's for sure. <laughs> I, was like, I
2: know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: very cool. Well, all right, Evan, let's switch gears a little bit here. Um, can you talk about 533. Not only, I assume, is it the t-shirt you're wearing today, but there's a little more behind this story. So what made you start it? Um, How did you start it? Tell me a little bit about the name, if you would, and what are you doing right now with it?
2: Yeah. So uh, it's a a long story, uh, but I'll try and shrink it down into little parts. So I'm 18 now and uh, myself and my business partner, Armando, started it when I was 16. Um, So that was two years ago, about and what drone race or what 533 is is we're like a I I guess in, in essence we do more than just drone racing so we're we um, I kind of identify as like an aerospace and technology company and we uh we do a lot with uh, drone racing and things with multi rotors and racing drones and, and and things of that nature. Now we started two years ago because I wanted a drone racing frame uh, built to exactly what I wanted you know. Technology was changing and I wanted something built to exactly what my needs and uh, requests were. So uh, my partner, Armando, who at the time was considered, he was like my fleet manager. So he built and maintained all of my drones. And that's kind of how our relationship started. And then after that, uh, Ar- Armando, give you a background on him. He uh, is a aerospace engineer from Boeing uh, and he worked there for about seven or eight years and then uh, quit his job at Boeing. And then now we do 533 uh, full time. Um, and. Yeah. So we started, he, we mocked up some designs or he mocked up a lot of the designs and we talked about what we wanted. We thought, what we thought would be a good idea. And we took that design and that quad to, um, multi GP nationals in 2019 where I won. And that kind of put us on the map. A lot of people were like, Oh, and I mean, if you win with we'll a race like that, everybody wants to know what you're using. Can I get it? Blah, blah, blah. And it really like, I had no intentions of starting any sort of big business or anything like that, but I just wanted, I just thought it'd be cool for me to sell frames with my name on them. Um, and it didn't, uh, and it was going to be out of my basement. I was going to sell a few frames and that was going to be it. But, um, we sold a few frames and we sold them more frames and more and more and more. And then people we were like, okay, like this is something that we could actually actually take somewhere. And, um, you know, the next thing we came out was with motors and then, uh, the motors became successful. And then the next thing after that we came out with was, uh, what's called the tiny trainer. And the tiny trainer has been one of our biggest hits that we've ever had. And essentially what it is, is a, a miniature DRL esque drone. So we have like the racer four that you see, and it's essentially a shrunk down version that has these, um, has a nice injection molded canopy over it. And uh, what we do, and it has this beautiful LED kit illuminating the whole thing and you can build it super easily now with some of the tech that we've just came out with. And it's an FPV drone that it makes it very accessible for anyone to get into FPV. It's incredibly durable. It's less expensive than normal FPV drones. However, it has the same character, like a flight characteristics of a larger aircraft that you can then build that confidence up much like you would a UMX aircraft from Horizon Hobby or something. It's meant to use like AS3X, for example. It's supposed to make a small aircraft that's cheaper and less expensive have um, larger aircraft uh, characteristics. And we essentially built a tiny trainer to be a little bit heavier than you would imagine a normal small drone like that would be and uh, have um, a little bit bigger motors than you would imagine, which gives it authority over the prop, um, over the propellers, I guess. And it gave it a bigger drone feel at a much smaller size, a lower price, and just more accessible as well. So that has honestly been one of the, the best things that, has come, that we have done and or uh, in my opinion, is that it's allowed all these other people to get into FPV for cheap and easy and uh, affordably, and then take that knowledge and all the things they've learned, and then go to a bigger drone and and find success in other ways. Um, so we've we did that, and that was that was a big Armando idea there, and. Um, other than that, you know, we've, we have like, we have a team, we sponsor pilots. We now have, I mean, we have frames and motors and HD frames and we care we're turning more and more into a a store, um, and brand than just heads ups frame or just Evans motor or just something like that. And that's kind of, that's really what I wanted to do is I know that I'm not going to be in this position forever. I'm not going to be this drone racing pilot forever that that it's in this situation has won these races and there's going to be the next big thing there's going to be the next big guy but what, what what i can do is i can take those opportunities that i have right now and use them to build a brand that's bigger than me like i don't want you to think in about it's not or none of my products are called the heads up anything it's the 533 products now because I want you to go in and I want you to like the 533's products, not me. I want you to know that when you buy a 533 product, you're going to get a great genuine product that you know had a lot of time and effort put into it and not just I use it. So that's kind of what the business model that I've used is I want to take the position I'm in in the industry and take those opportunities and the the fact that people might want to use my stuff and build a brand, use that to build a brand that is genuinely reputable and genuinely good. That down the line when I might not be in this position can support me down the line and that's really what I've tried to do and whether or not I've done an amazing job at that I don't know or like uh, I mean that's up to your own interpretation um I it's but it's really like I don't go to I have I'm not in college I, I I haven't uh taken any classes it's really just been Armando and I doing it off the cuff trying to make something happen and it's all been like just kind of guessing uh, in all honesty people think that oh wow you guys are like good at marketing or you guys are good at this and in all honesty we're just trying our best out there and this would be a good idea and things have worked and things have not worked but um yeah that's just kind of what we've we've done and we're trying to do and now we're trying to expand and go into other things and uh use what we've learned uh everything we've done we've taken as learning experience and we now are trying to take that and uh, and grow and turn into something and something bigger. But at the end of the day, we're trying to grow a brand that can help grow the industry, make it easier for people to get into, and we want to be a part of that in any way, shape, or form.
1: Wow. Yeah. No. You guys have done an awesome job. The the business is obviously doing very well uh, in that segment, and it's very well known. And you know, you've had a big part in that, of course. And it's it's cool to see, like 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 I said before, it's cool to see someone as you know as long as young as you do so well with with this and. Um, you know, you, you, kind of halfway mentioned it, but that was really one of my next questions, which was, do you have plans on going to school or do you kind of see, want to see this out or what's kind of your five-year plan from here?
2: Yeah, no. So it was a, it was a very difficult decision of whether or not I was going to go to school or, uh, what my next steps were after college or after high school. So I, I graduated five through three had been around for about a year and a half. And it was kind of a turning point where I could either kind of bet on myself and say, I think I can turn this into something bigger, or I could either try my best to make it happen while also going to school. But I kind of anything I do, I've always kind of learned that if you're going to do something, I want to do it full force. I want to try and I throw the kitchen sink at it, really. And I was like, um, if I I kind of put some thought into it and talk to some other people who who do uh, different jobs, and you know, one thing that always always stuck out when you talk to somebody who really does what they love is that they it just sticks out so vibrantly and how happy they are and um they're so when they can sit down and talk to you about what they do for hours and hours on end you know that they're really excited about what they do and that's what i wanted like when i whenever i saw that that's what i wanted to chase so um you know i I had been with drl and i had saved up um some money and had been able to invest in and really truly invest into myself in this company and uh kind of it was um A bet that I had to take on myself again and myself and Armando and we kind of just went for it. And the ideology behind it was if I throw all this money at it and I throw all this effort at it and I fail, then for one, I'll be like every other broke 18-year-old in the world. But (laughs) if I'm like every other broke 18-year-old in the world, I will have chased my dream. I'll have said that I tried and I won't (laughs) go to sleep at night someday saying, I wish I would have done that. And that's, that's truly what happened. And I mean, I, in all honesty, a lot of people have doubted that decision. I've had a lot of people say like, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And like, why aren't you going to school? And it's, this is me chasing my dream. This is me chasing what it is that I love and trying to turn it into something that can support me and my family for a very long time. And, um, that's what I'm doing and whether or not it works, I don't know, but I'm in the middle of it right now trying to make the most of it.
1: Awesome. Well, that's, yeah. that's really cool. I, th- I think the 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 fact that you – like you said, you kind of had oh, – you, you didn't say this, but you almost had nothing to lose and you might as well bet on yourself. I, I love that. And the passion is – I mean Chris and I can both see it and I think we see this a lot when we talk to different guests is you see that passion, that burning fire in someone where they, they almost have so much to say about it. Uh, I really do see that in you and that's, that's always so exciting to see someone that's just gung-ho about what they love and you're not just out there – Uh, doing this on the side and you know I work for so and so but this is really what I want to do you're you're all in Uh, that that to me is is pretty yeah it's pretty awesome
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's very cool and you know uh, you know school's always out there so you know you can you can always do that your dream may not be here you know down the road so this is pretty pretty exciting and bold I guess as you know someone who's living this Every day, you, you've got a business. You're a business owner. You see a bunch of trends in the RC world. You know what are the things that, especially as we're here sitting towards the end of 2021. You know, are there any trends that you kind of see, uh, you know, starting to emerge as we get ready to, to roll into 2022?
2: Yeah. No. Um, I'd say that the biggest trend that I, or maybe even that's not even a trend yet, but that I think should or can be a trend is that so you have the, the ready to fly market out there and you have um, such a bit, especially with FPV drones right now, there are so many people who are like, I want to buy a drone and oh, it'd be cool if I could just pick it up and go fly it. And you know, that's really cool. And um, but the issue with that is when you break it, you're not going to have any idea how to fix it. So I think instead of trying to push people into buying these ready to fly drones, I think and that route we're attempting to take on our way of taking is I think that you should just instead try and make the drones much easier to build and maintain. So, uh, right now, to build a FPV drone, it takes a lot of soldering, a lot of program knowledge, and it takes a lot of, like, it. I mean, it might you might it might take you three months to fly your your FPV drone for the first time, just because it took so long to learn about what parts you should buy, to learn how to program, to learn where to solder what, and what we are doing and what we are. Uh, is like working towards is we want a solderless FPV drone build. And what the the steps we've taken, we actually started this process over a year ago and that when I kind of, or we decided that that might be something that we think we should pursue. And we came out with our motors um, that have uh, pre-installed connectors on them, our MR30 connectors. So right now if you buy a normal motor, it comes and you solder it on. But when you break it, you're at the field, you're at a race, you have to get your soldering iron out and unsolder that. But we put pre-installed MR30 (laughs) connectors on there, put them on, and then when you break a motor out in the field, you can unplug it, plug in a new one. Say that there's a different type of motor that you want to install. You can unplug it and then have another motor with pre-installed MR30s on them and plug it in. And now you have a completely new drone. Say you want to go chase a drift car and you want to go really fast, plug in some faster ones on. Say you want to fly efficient and go long range, you can plug a different one in. And that was the first step that we took over a year ago. And we got absolutely destroyed on social media telling us that's stupid. That's heavy. That's, I don't like that. It's bulky and all these things. And I, we just kind of, we just said, we didn't say anything about it and we just kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And, um, one of the most fulfilling things, uh, that came from that was, um, like uh, about a couple months ago. Um, so we're the only company that does it right now. But a couple of months ago, I saw some customers that I know for a fact hated on it. And they were posting in uh, a, one of our competitors, uh, Facebook groups saying, Hey, is there any way we can get some connectors pre-installed like these 533 ones? And I uh, that, that like really felt good. But um, aside from that, you know, I talked so much about the tiny trainer and, how I thought that is a great platform for people to get into it. So right now we're trying to work towards a solderless tiny trainer build. So we came out with tiny trainer motors that have plugs pre-installed on them to the correct length to plug right into the all-in-one in in the center. So you buy the all-in-one that we've developed that has plugs pre-installed for that. So you can boom, solder your motors on by just plugging them in. Anybody in the world can do that. These cameras that all have a standard plug, you can pre-solder that to the correct length on the Tiny Trainer. Boom, your camera's installed. Now you have your video transmitter and your receiver. Now people use different ones, but what we can do is you can do a dongle system. So you can have the one dongle that's coming off your all-in-one that has an open plug, and then you can uh, solder your receiver it's a seven wire build so you have to solder your receiver and your vtx right now because those don't come with plugs but then you can solder both of those things and boom plug that in now you have a vtx and receiver plugged in with doing zero soldering on this all-in-one so now you have a full drone you soldered seven wires on these on because re- video transmitters and receivers have bigger pads which makes it a lot easier to solder to instead of these all-in-ones with tiny pads that could possibly explode Um, when you plug them in so that was kind of the the ideology behind it is let these people learn how to solder learn this on these vtxs and rxs that have much bigger pads and much are less expensive and easier to make mistakes on and then you can plug it in and boom now you have a full drone we have a full um like um a uh, dump to where you can go into the drone plug it in the computer copy and paste the settings in click enter it'll fill out all the all of the things that you need on the drone to have the connection set up to where your motors are reversed the leds are set up your camera um your video transmitter channels work and everything you have to bind your remote which you can find a video for anywhere in the world and then boom you're now up in the air and now when you break it you know how to fix it because the parts are accessible they're easy to change and That's just something that the FPV market doesn't have right now. And all these people are buying these drones that they don't know how to fix, and boom, they hate this after they crash at one time. But we should be focusing on teaching these people How to, or we should be focusing on building these things that are easier to build and that they can learn to repair themselves and giving these people the parts and educational videos and build guides to do that themselves. And then they will learn so much more and have such a much more pleasant experience with FPV down the line than if they had just built a drone, crashed it one time, and have no idea how to fix it or even where to start. That is the trend. Sorry that that was such a long explanation, but um, (laughs) that is what I see
0: coming down the line. Awesome. That's all right. Like you said, uh, the good news, and I think it's part of why people love podcasts is because you don't get the 10 second answer. You yeah. get the real answer, you know, and you get somebody like Steve said earlier, people like yourself that are so passionate about what they do. So I think that's an excellent answer. And, and obviously for anybody listening this deep into the podcast, this is probably the level of detail they want anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, thank you. A ton of, ton of great ideas there. Very
2: cool. For sure.
1: Well, um, at, you know, as an entrepreneur, I guess too. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you is: Is there anyone in the in the business space that you look up to, or that you kind of go, "Man, he's doing it really well"? Or is it like a you know Gary V, or you know, name any other you know Instagram type business entrepreneur? Does yeah. anybody out there you look
2: up to? I mean, uh, in all honesty, I look. I mean, uh, if you look within the industry, like people, um, anybody who's turned nothing and into something like, uh, people like, uh, surge from Pyroflip or pyro drone, um, sure. him and, uh, trappy from, uh, team, team black sheep are, mm-hmm. uh, this is a story that I didn't tell earlier, but they're the pretty much the reason that five, three, three was started. I was in Turkey at a world drone cup race. And I was talking about this frame that we had designed that who we thought about, we were going to work with. And they kind of sat me down and were like, we think that you should try and go after this yourself. And we think mm-hmm. that maybe you could sell a couple frames out of your basement. And we'd buy some and whatnot. And we'd support you. And I was like, okay, maybe it's a good idea. And then that, and that's, that's all I needed. I tried it once or like we, uh, that's what inspired me to kind of pursue that and try and do things myself. And then after that, the rest is history. But after doing it for two and a half years and running the, or the business literally out of my basement, two floors down from where I'm sitting right now. And I mean, there's employees down there working as we speak. And I mean, when I started it, I was going to the post office every single day and taking the orders myself and handling all the customer service and doing it all, um, alongside Armando together, just the two of us. Um, but after doing this for as long as we have now being, seeing where they are like surge and, and trappy and what they've accomplished in such a short amount of time and how, how well they're able to handle that. I really respect that. But even more so than that, it's not that like, I mean, I know the Gary V's and all the other entrepreneurs that you see are so wildly successful, but I respect so, and I look up to anyone who takes a chance on themselves or takes, or is willing to take that risk and go after it just in something they believe in. And those are always, you can never, ever, ever fault somebody for doing that in my opinion. So anybody who's, cause it, it's scary. Like it's, it's intimidating to do that and it's, and failure is scary. So anybody who's willing to go out of their way to, to yeah. do that, I respect so largely. And I, I, I love supporting small businesses. I love supporting anybody who, who does that. And those are the people I look up to any, anyone who's, who chases what, they believe in what they love. And um, I mean, if they make it work, that's great. But I think the people who deserve even more recognition is the ones who have done it and failed and tried again, uh, in my opinion.
1: Right on. Awesome.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Well,
0: I have to ask here um, as, as we're getting into this. So you're 18 years old, you've got a ton going on with your professional racing career with 533 as a business. What do you do outside of that for fun? You're still a teenager. I hope you're doing some things just for fun. What do you do when you got some spare time?
2: uh, As embarrassing as it is, I fly drones for fun a lot. uh and i but like it's true like i i I like it's like i'll go to my local rc club or something and fly with them like they're the guys who literally started with me when i was six so to go fly like some sort of like i like my honestly my radiant xl is like the like my favorite plane ever because it's like so slow and cruise around and uh like and just to take that out and i mean it's the lowest stress thing in the world sit down hang out with i mean I get made fun of because I hang out with like these like 70 year old guys, but like, uh, like, (laughs) uh, to like hang out with them and just like fly around and cruise for a day on a nice day. That is a blast to me. And other than that, like some other little things that I do is like, you know, I play disc golf and stuff like I enjoy doing that. And of course, hanging out with my friends and family and like uh, my girlfriend, she's like really into music. She's a, a cellist and she does all of these things with that. So I have to keep up and with all the things she does. And I love doing that and supporting uh, all that my friends and family do. Um, so uh, I guess aside from that, I'm a full time chauffeur for my younger siblings at the moment. Um <laughs> so soccer practice football practice you name it i've i have been there um but no it's uh i've got asked that question before and it's it's an embarrassing answer that i like to fly other things for for fun and um that's my way of de-stressing from worrying about fpv so much for my entire days to go fly fpv or other something else Um, uh, but yeah no i i you know i do disc golf and i i can play um guitar ukulele and cello uh Guitar and ukulele are both very amateur, and my girlfriend's the one who's teaching me, so it's like, sorry in advance. Uh, but um, I did play cello since the uh, age of, uh, or since I was in fifth grade. I played that all the way through high school, and it's something I still enjoy doing. And it was another passion of mine that I really, uh, really enjoyed. Um, but no, other than that, I, um, a lot of my life really does revolve around this industry and all the people within it, and, and I love every second of it.
1: Great.
0: Well, that, that's good to hear, Evan. We may have you play us out with a ukulele <laughs> when we wrap up here. But no, it's, it's really good to hear. And, and even, you know, as you get deeper into your career, it is nice to have those de-stressors in, in your life. And, and whatever it is, I think Steve and I, we can both appreciate the fact that, yeah, you have a few free moments and it's still fun to go drive a car or fly a plane. Yeah, you know, That's kind of our day job, too. So Yeah. No judgment here, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we understand what you're saying, I think both of us. So, well, I think we're getting deep into our time here. What we like to do is as we're starting to wrap up is we kind of like to what we call our open mic segment, where we wanna just give you a couple seconds here to talk about whatever you'd like. If you wanna plug something coming up, that's great. If there's something you'd like to say, but basically to the listeners, somebody who may be listening to this, you know, what would what's important to you and what would you like them to know as we uh, as we start to wrap up our time here with you today,
2: yeah. Uh, well, I, I feel like they've already probably heard me talk more than they'd like, but uh, I'll definitely go into it. Um, no, yeah. Um, basically, my my biggest thing is I, I'm not necessarily worried about you supporting me or watching racing or anything like that. But the, like the the biggest message that I like to, to kind of portray is just that if you're listening and you have something like that that you're passionate about or you have something like that that you think you could chase, and it's that I think I'm like. If I can do it, literally anyone can. Uh, I truly am just a kid that's going after it, trying my best and wasn't afraid to take that first step. So if someone like myself with as little training as I had and with as little knowledge of the thing that I was going into, the only thing I had over all these other people who are my competitors is that I just, I loved what I did so much. And like, it didn't matter that I didn't have the best business plan. It didn't matter if I had no idea how to do my taxes it, um, <laughs> it, uh, it, I just, I loved it so much and I was willing to figure out those things and make things work. Um, uh, because yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care because it meant that I could, I could do that. So, um uh, if anybody's watching, no matter what it is you're doing, if you could chase those things that you won't regret it. And if you go out there and fail, then then so be it. You, you can at least go to sleep at night saying I tried, you can at least go to sleep saying that, uh, it was worth a shot. And, um, that is, I, I that's that's what i I would, I would say and i um you won't regret it it's my my biggest my biggest thing so that is i guess what i have to take away if you do want to support anything 533 related our website is fly five 3 com. fly533.com uh we sell I mean we have apparel and all kinds of stuff on there for um people who are not even interested in fpv or whatnot our newest product that my mom likes is it's called the handy heater it is a, uh, for flying out in the winter months, it is a, uh, it's a power bank that you uh, pick up and it actually heats up to where you can hold on to it. It'll heat up your fingers before you go fly. You know, I know there's the transmitter gloves and stuff like that. I've never been too big a fan of them, but yeah, it's just this little handheld thing. You can hold on to it. It'll heat up and you can just uh, grasp onto it. Your fingers will be warm. You can go fly. And by the time you're done, your fingers will be cold again. You can hold on to it. Um, so that's our newest product. The only product my mom has ever bought that's not apparel related is this handy heater. So if you're looking for a late Christmas <laughs> gift stocking stuffer, they're like $29.99. Available at five thirty-three right now. So, uh, I was
0: just looking. It's a uh, twenty-three degrees here in, in oh, Champaign well, today. Sounds like Evan, you need. So a, I probably can yeah. use one of those. As yeah. I, I head back out to my car this evening. So. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Plenty of time to add it to your Christmas list. Still,
2: that's right. So. That's right. Very They're down good. there shipping them off right now. So the, the, we call them the elves. The, the elves are or the elves are working at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I'm about to go be my own little elf and go help them here in a second. So. <laughs>
1: Well very cool. Evan, thank you so much uh, for joining us. I, mean, I know it, you have so much to say and I'm, I'm excited to watch your career and as you grow up and uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot more cool stories in the next year and I'm hopefully we can get back with you and, and catch up with you in the future sometime. Uh, but yeah overall thanks for joining. I know it was last minute notice for you too so appreciate that. Um, Chris, any last words? No, just a pleasure to meet you, Evan.
0: And uh, I think you are right on with the follow your dreams. And, you know, if you're going to do it, go all in. Um, I don't think you'll ever be disappointed with that. So um, great sage advice there. And uh, we wish you the best of luck in your upcoming competitions with 533. And, yeah, we'd love to have you back sometime to to hear how this story continues. So until then, uh, yeah, we'll let you go be an elf.
2: <laughs> Sounds good. I
0: appreciate right, it. Thank that. you.
1: Thanks, nice everyone.